Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. As always, we're back with an amazing guest. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Stephen Washington, who is the author of Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. As a former professional dancer who performed on Broadway in Disney's The Lion King, his love of movement inspired him to become this highly acclaimed Qigong and Pilates teacher that he is today. Stephen, welcome to the Soul sound podcast oh thank you so much for the lovely introduction Simone great to be here with you thanks yes I'm so excited um recently in fact I was saying to some of my sound healing students oh guess what I'm gonna have this Kong master on my on my podcast soon because very often well in fact we always do it but I'm not a I don't practice um Kong in any big way but as a sound healer and a sound healing tutor we were taught to start our practice with certain exercises to get the energy flowing and protection flowing and all of the things for the type of energy work that we do. So I've been super excited and anticipating this conversation like, yes, I'm going to speak to someone who knows a lot more than me about how this movement can be so beneficial. Hmm. Super, super. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. So I'm going to jump straight in with your book because I know that that's something that just recently came out in the last few months. Congratulations, by the way. I know what it's like to bring things into the world the way you Mm. have. So I'm really excited to jump straight in. So tell us what has what really inspired you to write this book, Recovering You. What what brought that book into being? That what brought the book into being. Well, first, let me go back a little bit. Uh, before there was Recovering You, the book, there was a online course that I made back in about 2018, I think. Mm. Uh, it was called Release, Recover, and Renew. And it was an online course that contained a lot of the elements that you find in the book. And when I created that course, something inside of me told me that that was just the beginning of the conversation. That was just the beginning of the exploration of that work and that there was going to be some other, some other way to bring forth this material in a way that's different from, from that online course. I've always wanted to share a lot of the tools that I teach in the book with people, especially after Qigong entered my life when I was in Chinese medicine school for a period of time and how impactful that medicine was on me. And I don't think it was an accident that that was an incredibly stressful time for me, a time where I felt so overwhelmed by the experience of being in graduate school at 40 something years old. And, uh, And I felt as though I didn't know whether or not I was going to be able to stay sober through that process because so much uh, emotion was coming up for me. Mm. And the medicine of Qigong was just remarkable in the way that it came into my life at that time. It allowed me to 
release tension in my body that was building up because I was under so much uh, stress and strain. And then also it helped me to just move that emotional energy and it helped clear my mind. So I was able just to think more clearly. And then on top of that, just being able to learn the practice in a group of people, because community is such an important part of our well-being. I talk about it in the book, how social support is so important and just community and connection is important because we're all we're tribal beings. Yes. You know, we're, we're meant to be connected, much like what you do with your sound healing mm. uh, students and community. Uh, there's something that's special that happens when one person meets another and you share the medicine like that. Yes. So I knew that from that moment on, if the medicine could do what it did for me at that point in my life, that I had to share it with others. And I wished, part of me wished I knew mm. what I was learning at that time 10 years earlier when I first got sober. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the teacher and the medicine comes when the student is ready. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. Oh, yes. And I was definitely ready at that time. So that is a bit of what, what helped bring Recovering You into form. Yes. And I love the name of your course. It's the three R's really. And I, I have the three R's in so many different things. It's like we learn about this in school, but I, I really like that. Is that course still running or is that now transformed into the book? Do you still have that? The that course going? is not is no longer still running. It's transformed into the book. But at some point, I think I'm going to go back and, yeah. and recreate it. Yes. Uh, and using more of the formalized structures that I that I created within the book. Yes, I so can everybody, imagine everybody that. Everybody would... stay tuned. Yeah, that would be a really powerful medium, I think, to kind of drive home a lot of the messages that you that you have in the book. And of course, you've taken that and you've built so much on top of the foundation. There's just so much more to share as well now. So mm -hmm. this is incredible. So obviously, we're seeing Qigong. We're talking about this. You spoke about your journey there. Can we just talk very briefly about what that is for anyone listening who's never heard of it or doesn't know? What what is Qigong? Qigong is an ancient Chinese healthcare system that combines flowing movements, standing postures, deep breathing, and focused intention to activate, cultivate, and circulate life force energy. You know, and what is that life force energy? It's the energy that's behind the beating of a heart. Yes. Um, it animates everything that we do. Uh, it is, it's the energy behind our emotions and also behind our consciousness, right? And our connection mm -hmm. to the divine. So when you take the word Qigong and you break it down in half, Qi means energy and breath, and yes. Gong means work or skill. So the practice of Qigong is a practice of becoming more skillful at managing our own energy. So mm -hmm. we can all become masters of our own energy. Yes. And um, that's what Qigong is in, you know, in a nutshell. 
Yes, I love love that description and that definition. It's um, very well broken down. And I know that in your book, you you do offer Qigong exercises at the end of all of the chapters. Is that just part of embodying what you've shared in theory so that people can have that experience to support the transformation you're providing? Absolutely. I think it's important to integrate teachings through the body. Uh, when I when I think back to just my whole experience in recovery, from 12-step recovery to all the therapy that I've uh, done, all the books that I've read, it all approaches it more from a from the mind mm-hmm. and even a bit from from the emotions, but not not down to the tissues of the body. Yeah. And I felt like it's important to bring the body into the equation um, formally. It's always yes. a part of the equation anyway, because you can't separate the body from the yes. mind and the spirit. But I felt as though in a lot of this work, it's just something that's left out. And what I've come to understand over time is that the body keeps the score, like Bessel van der Kolk says in his famous book mm. about trauma. Yes, and so you have to you have to pay attention to the body because it is uh, a keeper of the records of what's yes. happened to us, and we we feel everything and we absorb everything on a cellular level, and it affects the body as well as the mind and the brain. Mm-hmm. So I wanted people to have an opportunity to take the teachings from the book and integrate it in their body, um, yes. and and for a moment let go of thought and really just tap into body and the mm. sensations and just see what happens because there's an amazing thing that happens when the medicine uh, is activated within us because we all have this um, internal wisdom and this healing power within the body, yes. but it's, it has to just be allowed to turn on. And what turns it on is when we're able to drop into that flow state where we can... Um, connect to the breath and the movement in the present moment. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that when I, when I included it in the book, every time when I, when I was writing and I got to the end of the chapter and I started to introduce the exercise for that chapter, it automatically took me back to my time in Chinese medicine school. When I moments before I walk into the classroom, I was, I was, crying in my car or having a panic attack because mm-hmm. I was so worked up because of all the emotions I was feeling. Yes. And then I, I would start the practice in class and suddenly all that would, would dissipate yes. uh, and work through me. And I would leave the experience of the practice in the class and feel elevated. And yes. so what I wanted to do is provide that for the readers of, of the book and um, and I provide that also in my online uh, membership community, the SWE Studio. I wanted to I want to give people tools that they can use to help themselves build a more conscious and joyous life. Yes, from movement, mm-hmm. because that is the foundation of the 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 body is the foundation for the mind and the spirit. Mm. 
Beautiful. I love that. The somatic practice. And I mean, I, emotions, I always talk about emotions in my work as energy in motion, emotion. And when we can realize that different states of being, as you said, we can feel those in our body or in our energy system, then movement and breath and all of these things is such a powerful way to help us move through. You know, it's, it's something that has to move. Even if we didn't move, the energy has to move. So, wow, that completely you know, would transform a practice, I think. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, bells are going off in my head about things that I've seen and all these movements. And I want to actually jump into, I'm a complete novice in this, in this field of Qigong. So I'm going to ask you about certain things with related to Qi or energy centers, because for example, some of the movements that we're doing, I've been explained that, okay, you lift your toes off the ground in this point, or make sure that your palms are straight as you bring your arms down, very specific things or particular mudras and things. So I'm curious if there anything that you, if there is any one thing or two things that you think this one simple thing that you can do with your body right now will help you change your state. It doesn't have to be like a full exercise or you get up and demonstrate, but if there's just one thing that mm. we can do, whether that's in the breath or the body that we could do to change our state, what would that be? A couple of different things. Uh, always it's good to connect with the breath. That's one of the things that I love about Qigong. Qigong is a practice that's that's accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. We can all do it. And it's a, it's a practice that is highly adaptable. So no matter what your physical condition is, yes, you can still receive the benefits of the practice and we can all breathe, right? Yes. So the, we start by just placing your hands on the belly. Mm. And just taking a deep breath in through your nose. And as you inhale, just allow your belly to expand. Mm. And as you exhale out through your nose, allow your belly to soften. Mm. And if you can do that by breathing in for, say, five counts. And then find that little hold in the breath. And then exhale out through your nose for five counts. And then find that little hold after the exhale. Doing that five to 10 times mm. is a way to regulate your nervous system. Yes. And bring you to the present moment. Yes. Um, we're able to shift out of that fight or flight freeze state, mm -hmm. which, which turns on a particular part of the brain and it releases these... Um, hormones that make us ready to to act and respond to danger yep but oftentimes we're not in the danger that we that our body is telling us that we're in yes so we can just turn that off which allows another part of the brain which is the part of the brain that allows us to look at things more logically or with reason mm -hmm. um turn that on and help us to navigate those difficult situations that we find ourselves in so yes. starting with the breath is a really uh, simple way to, to connect to one's own energy. And yes. then also I love to tap. So tapping on the chest with soft fists is a great way to activate chi within the body. Mm -hmm. Tapping on the corner of the chest, just below your collarbone. Doing the same thing on the other side. Mm -hmm. And then if you just place your arms down, you can even close your eyes for a moment.
just tune into the energy of your body that will shift your energy in some subtle but yet profound way <sighs> and just little things like that have the ability to take us where we are in the moment yes and, and, and help us to transition to another point in time and oftentimes a lot make our body feel more um, grounded and comfortable where we are mm. and also our mind as well beautiful thank you i'm so glad that you demonstrated a few things because these things are so simple to do yet so profound you know i do a lot of tapping myself whether it is the thymus tap or just tapping techniques um and it's incredible what can shift with just a few things, somewhat understanding the energetic map of the body, but even just intuitively sometimes doing things can be such a profound way of releasing and letting go. And like you said, going from, you know, having a panic attack or crying in your car to getting up and moving out and being able to do something is that's an incredible shift to make in a short space of time. Anyone could do some of these exercises um, starting with the breath. Yeah. Yeah, and and to anyone who's who's listening or watching, and you think about a moment where you feel overwhelmed by life, mm. and that happens to all of us. We're all we all experience stress. We can't get away from it, and there's a certain amount of stress that's healthy for us. But when you feel that moment of overwhelm, mm. if you could just take a moment to connect to your breath, that has an incredible potential and power to change how you feel. Or if you're in a situation where you just need to take a moment to yourself, go to the bathroom, yes. be by yourself for a moment, take a few deep breaths, tap on your body, mm. notice how you feel afterwards, walk back into that situation that a moment earlier was overwhelming for you, yes. perhaps you'll better be able to, to manage your feelings in that situation just because you are more connected to yourself and who you are, your essence and yes. at the core of yourself and be able to move from there. Yes, that's beautiful. And as you speak about the core of yourself, I know that you you speak about recovering from addiction as returning to self. So tell me a bit more about that. Well, when you're in the throes of addiction and you are responding to life by turning to substances or behaviors, uh, to change the way that you feel, there's a natural disconnection from yourself, right? Mm. I know for me, when I was when I was using, when I was drinking, when I was doing drugs, when I was smoking, there was there was a desire, and it wasn't even a conscious desire to escape how I was feeling, to check out, to numb myself. Mm. And when we numb ourselves, we're not living life fully. I think there can also be an illusion that we're living fully because if you're, if I, for me, I thought, Oh, I have a few drinks in me. I can, I can join the party. I could interact with people. I could, I could, I could just live it up and, uh, and I feel connected. But within that there is a disconnection because mm -hmm. there's a part of me that's afraid of if I show up to this moment truly as myself, Will I be liked? Will I be able to um, to navigate that moment authentically as myself? Yeah. During those times, I didn't think I could, so I did A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so that's that's active addiction. But the great thing about recovery is we have an opportunity to shift that. When we enter recovery, we are able to gain support from others uh, to help us to live a life that's healthier, that's more balanced, mm -hmm. that is more authentic to, to who we who we really are when you peel away all the layers of armor yes. and our defenses. And we're able to recover the parts of ourselves that we traded off or lost, because really it is a trade-off, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're also able to discover parts of ourselves that maybe we didn't even know about. That's yeah. one of the exciting things about recovery is that we, we gain so much and, and sometimes what we gain are things that we never even imagined that we could get just yeah. by um, just by stopping a behavior mm -hmm. and maybe adopting new behaviors, new approaches to life, uh, allowing information and support and people in yes. and getting really honest about who we are and where we are and how we're feeling and being open to suggestions and, and other tools and, and other practices that can help support a life that is, uh, that's better. Yeah, yeah. And I know for many, really getting, as you say, back in touch with that core essence of who you truly are is not an easy journey for most. I mean, I think it's for many people, a very long quest of peeling back layers and layers and layers. And I, and I think it's really, probably fundamentally the cause of a lot of things, this disconnect from self, right? It's just yeah. the cause of so many issues that we're having in the world, whether it's personally going on in our bodies or our own energy systems, or even the reflection globally, it's this massive disconnect. So I love that as you talk about coming back to that authentic part of you and accepting all the parts of you and and bringing that together how um, powerful and impactful it could be and i'm curious in your own journey because i know that you've been sober from drugs and alcohol now for 20 years or 20 plus years what was your recovery journey kind of coming back to self and maybe some of the important things that you long you learned along the way in your journey yeah great thank you for that question yeah. I also want to add to something else that you said a moment yes, ago. One of the sure. things that gets in the way of us returning to self and getting in the way of that process is shame. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that we all can identify with, this thought or this feeling, this belief that we are somehow damaged goods and not and not worthy of change mm. or transformation. Yes. So it's definitely a process of 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 peeling back the layers of that seeing what the truth really is mm. and then getting some um some positive support to help move out of that so my recovery journey um you know it began 20 years ago and and i'm really grateful for the fact that i've been uh in recovery and sober for 20 years but really it's it's all about today and what I do today for my recovery. Mm. Um, because just because I've been sober for 20 years doesn't mean that I tomorrow I can't pick up a drink again. Of course. Yeah. And then lose it all. Um, lose what I've worked so hard to to 
to accomplish and achieve and and to be in the state that I that I'm in now that I think is a good place to be. Yes. Um, but my recovery journey, like I said um, earlier, um, or maybe I didn't say it. Is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, I came from a background, a family, a situation where um, where there was a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trauma in my in my household growing up, and a lot of um, damaged, hurt people, and uh, they dealt with it the best way they knew how. But a lot of it was through um, substances themselves, yeah. uh, through um, anger, and uh, so many layers to it. And being a sensitive child that I was, I absorbed all of that. Mm-hmm all of that and and when when your caretakers are preoccupied in their own stuff and 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 mismanaging it all um there's not a lot of support for you so you have to find ways to self-regulate and self-soothe and and for me it was like biting my nails and and um rocking myself to sleep at night or eating and just in order to to find some way to feel okay in this body. Yeah. So by the time I had my first drink at the age of 15, I was in Germany dancing with my dance teacher and, and, and some other members of the dance school. So last night that we were there, I had my first beer and I remember feeling like I could finally breathe. Hmm. I could finally breathe once that beer was down inside of me, even though I hated the taste of it. But it made me feel better in my body. It made me feel more comfortable in my own skin. It made me feel like I could connect to people, get out of my introversion and be more extroverted. Yeah. It made me feel like I was smart and funny and all that other stuff. And actually it made me feel sexy, which was Mm -hmm. important for me as, as a, as a, a 15 year old coming into my, my, you know, sexual being. And also I was at that time starting to come out to myself, at least that I was gay. Um, So it was very meaningful. And I knew that I wanted to feel that feeling again. And so basically that amazing feeling I had that first time and that first night when I got totally drunk, um, I I chased that feeling for years, for years Mm -hmm. and with varying results. Sometimes I would be able to achieve that and sometimes I wouldn't. And then I threw in other substances like drugs into the mix as well in order to play chemistry and try to um, lift myself up when I was feeling sad or if I was feeling good to make myself feel even better. Right. And so I did that for a long time without great consequence. Um, Although there were some things that happened along the way where one night I, I drank and did so many drugs that I literally lost my sight for a period of time that night. Wow. Wow. And you would think that that would be enough to scare me into not ever <laughs> doing that again. But, you know, probably the next night or that next week, I was at it again. Mm. Um, that should have been uh, a, a warning sign that my relationship to substances was not casual. Right. Normal. Yeah. And... um. 
And, you know, I, I, I kept going along that path. And like I said, there weren't tremendous consequences. There were some, but there were enough to, to really shake my, my foundation. And it wasn't until I, it wasn't until I was 29 and I had a lot of success come into my life around my work as a dancer in New York. And mm. I eventually started dancing for um, organizations like the Metropolitan Opera and New York City Opera, mm. and then and then on to um, Disney's The Lion King. And all this was stuff was happening. I had a partner at the time who I was in a relationship with that didn't, I loved them dearly, but it didn't feel like we were meant to be together. And I didn't know how to express that. I didn't know how to walk away. I kept it inside. I stuffed my feelings combined with this, these new successes and the new pressures from this work, these work situations, I turned to alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. to help me uh, manage it all. Cause really in terms of my ability to cope with life and all that comes with it, that was my coping skill was yeah. that, you know? So I did that and, and, but I started to feel consequences. Right. You know, I started to um, destroy relationships. I started to spend all my money on on obtaining alcohol and drugs and things like that. I started to um, distance myself from people like I, I would commit what I call disappearing acts mm -hmm. from family and friends. Um, and I just I just uh, I got to a point where I. I would look in the mirror and I wouldn't recognize who, who was looking back at me. Mm. And that was really difficult. And I remember one night in my apartment in Toronto by myself, drunk and high on cocaine, just saying help. Mm. That's all I said was help, help me. Yeah. And within about six months to a year, that help arrived and it arrived in a way that was like any other night where I um, was partying and lost myself in that. And then I, I remember going to a theme park with some friends the next day hungover, and, um, and I had a therapist that I would see and we would have phone sessions. And I remember talking to the therapist um, that day while I was at the theme park. Don't ask me why I didn't cancel the appointment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but in that session, and it didn't last very long because he could not understand why I would make a choice like that. It became clear to me that something wasn't right. Yeah. And this, this person sees me and sees what's going on. And later on that day, I called a friend of mine who's been in recovery for, for a long time and make, made sobriety look really good. And, and I told him what was going on. I'd never been that honest with anyone. And he took me to my first 12-step meeting. And that was the beginning of this journey that I've been on for the last 20 years that has been a process of me learning how to live life on life's terms. Because I wasn't very good at living life on life's terms. Um, yeah. I'm still challenged by it, but I know that I don't have to, um, when things happen in life that, that I don't like, yes. that I have trouble moving, navigating through, I don't have to 
I don't have to leave my body mm. in order to 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 deal with it. Mm. I don't have to destroy my body mm -hmm. in order to to deal with it and yeah. to find some level of acceptance. So that's the essence of what the mm -hmm. last 20 years have been like for me. And um and I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a story. Well, first of all, thank you for being so honest and vulnerable in your share, because I think a lot of people who who could potentially be going through this right now watching um, will hopefully find some inspiration to know that you kind of would say hit rock bottom in, in some shape or form for you. And there's a way out. And, and what I've heard in that story, there are a few nuggets that not necessarily as a formula, but certain as a uh, maybe a thread to hold on to throughout the journey was recognizing first and foremost that you're not okay um, noticing that in yourself the second was asking for help and that might have been help to i don't know divine intervention to your therapist to people around you and then being inspired by someone else's um success your friend who you saw who was sober and you were like oh okay so this is possible so there's this element for me of you know surrendering and and asking for support and then being inspired that thread that carried you through that story to get to the beginning of this this recovery which obviously you you know i'm sure there's so many nuggets in there that we can pull out mm -hmm. and i feel as though what i just shared with you and the way that you beautifully reflected that back to me Thank is you. woven through recovering you mm, just inviting people to get really um honest with themselves yes and to be able to identify what's happening within them yes to asking for help if you are holding the book in your hands and reading it that is an act of reaching out for help yeah. trying to mm. pull in some inspiration some guidance some wisdom yes uh and then also connecting with um with others because i wanted to create a community within mm -hmm. the pages of the book because i tell my story i also yeah. invite my friends in recovery to share their experience strength and hope as well hoping mm -hmm. that one of our voices will touch the reader yes and make them feel like they're not so alone and that there is a way out Yes, and I think that's so important because often no matter where we are in our trauma or discomfort or challenge, there there's there are times that we're like, oh, well, that's okay for that person, you know, that they can do it or yeah, that that's fine. That's not me. And I think that what you've clearly said and shown and demonstrated is that, yeah, that's where you were back then. And yet you were able to somehow make that step into I need help. I don't recognize this person that I'm looking at, you know, in the mirror. And I, I love those really poignant moments um, that you've described so beautifully. Thank so you. you're, you're touching on things that are really important. Um, and there's an element in your book. I know the subtitle is soul care and mindful movement for overcoming addiction. And so soul care, I love that. You could have said self care, but you said soul care and not that self care is not important, but I'm pretty sure those words are intentional. So what is soul care and why is that part important in your book and your work? Beautiful. Um, soul care <laughs> is really anything that we do that tends to the health and the well-being of our soul. Mm -hmm. And all the practices in the book I consider to be soul care, whether they are tending to the needs of the body or the emotions 
or the mind of the spirit. Yeah. And that's really what each practice, each suggestion in the book does. Yes. And uh, a lot of the book is taught, or a lot of the healing uh, practices in the book are coming in and through the body. Mm -hmm. And it's important to just, again, make the point that the body is the foundation for all the other energies within the body. Yes. Without the body, we wouldn't have the others. So mm -hmm. the body is what houses it all. Yeah. And so every single practice in the book is is soul, soul care. Yeah, that's beautiful. What is your definition of soul? My definition of soul... It is that part of us that we all have that is this representation of who we are mm. once we've peeled back all the layers. Mm. It is a representation of who we are at the most, um, on an energetic level, mm -hmm. in the most refined, mm. vibrant way. Mm. And it's that part of us that connects to each other mm. and the universe where there's no, there are no boundaries. There's no, there's no separation. Mm. It's just this flow from one to another and then back. Beautiful. I love that. I know that with a lot of these words, words can't really describe the energy of what it is that you're, you know, what it actually represents. And I think that's really beautiful, this being in the flow with this universal consciousness and energy and connection. There are a lot of beautiful things in that. Um, and yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So again, I'm coming back to your book. And then I actually want to ask you about dance and movement. So in, in, in the book, you talk about as we're on the topic of soul trusting in this higher power. Um, and that for you, that didn't come naturally in early recovery. So how did you move beyond that? Um, and what words of wisdoms may, maybe now you have to offer others struggling in with this themselves? Well, I think that my experience around f connecting to a higher power was it was an interesting journey and i think what i've mentioned in the book is that i came from a background that was very um religious and 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 thought of god or um thought of god as in a, in a certain way. Hmm. And for me, that, that way of looking at God was very rigid and limiting and it wasn't very inclusive. Hmm. I knew for me <clears throat> as a young person, knowing that I was great, that I was different, that I was different than the people around me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't feel as though in those environments, those um, houses of worship, that there was space for me. Mm. Um, and I didn't quite know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. But yet it was a situation where, where I was still encouraged to go and put forced to go. And 
So when I found recovery, what my first sponsor said to me was like, well, you're actually in a pretty good position because you, you already believe in something outside of yourself. That that something is the thing that I asked for help that night in my mm. bathroom in Toronto. Mm. But what was offered to me as I started to walk through those first days, weeks, months, years of, of recovery was the ability to come up with my own conception of a higher power mm. that I didn't even have to call it God if I didn't want to call it God. Yeah, I can call it my higher power. And that my higher power could be anything. Mm. It could be <clears throat> the universe. It could be nature. It could mm -hmm. be even the group that that I was a part of, that I showed up to to and to, to be with each day when I would go to a meeting. Yes. Um, that 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 group of drunks mm. could be my my higher power, just in terms of the the collective wisdom and consciousness of the group. Yeah. <clears throat> So that was very powerful for me. And I was able to work with that, mm. able to work with that. And, and it gave me permission to, to have conversations with my higher power that are like the conversation that I'm having with you right now, mm. just how easy it is and how it yeah. flows and how it's incredibly loving and non-judgmental and, um, and kind. Mm. That's exactly what I what I needed, and and in my recovery, I've also learned how to not even just have conversations where I'm telling my higher power what it is that I'm feeling or experiencing, and I don't even think I need to say it out loud. I think I, when I say things out loud to my higher power, it's more so I can hear myself. Yes, because I feel like it intuitively it knows. Mm. But it also part of the process is also for me to get quiet and still and listen. Yes. Because mm -hmm. if I get quiet and still and listen, I get messages as to <clears throat> what's the next right action for yeah. me to take at any moment in my life. Yes. And so what that's my that's been my journey. And mm -hmm. I know that for some people it's it's hard to wrap your mind around um a God or a higher power. I think there's been a lot of misuse of the word God and, and, and also um, I think there's a lot of people who've been put in, in, in authority figures and, and we've poured a lot of trust mm -hmm. into that haven't um, really acted on um, in the best interests of, of, of the people who've, elevated them to certain positions of power. And yeah. so that has tainted this concept of, of God and higher power. So there's a lot to work through and unpack for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I always encourage people to start from where they are mm -hmm. with it and that there's no, that there's no rush and there's no need for you to subscribe to anything that anyone else is telling you. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that that I offer in the book as a way to build a connection to this power that's outside of us, because 
<clears throat> I think that in recovery, the most important thing is that we understand that that none of us are God, <laughs> right? There's a God somewhere, but we know that it's not us, that we are not, we're not making the rainfall. We're not making the trees blow with the wind. We're not causing the earthquakes or anything like that individually. Okay. There's something that's greater than us. Even, even, you know, you can look at even like music or love as a higher power and energy mm -hmm. of that, those things that have such great influence and power, just connecting to, to that. But I teach this practice called breath prayers in the book where you just take the physiological act of breathing and then you add intention to it mm -hmm. and it allows us to build a level of optimism and and trust and peace within us where as you inhale you think of something that you would like more of in your life mm -hmm. like for me oftentimes because i i work to manage anxiety i i envision drawing in peace with my inhale mm -hmm. and as i exhale I try to release fear or worry and I inhale peace and I exhale fear or worry. Mm. So you're just calling in whatever it is that you need, knowing that what you need is available to you. Yes. Just a breath away, yeah. just a breath away. So I yes. feel like that's th those are simple steps that one can start to take to to shift their consciousness around higher power. Yes, that's awesome, and I I very much relate to the conversations. I do that a lot myself. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's through, as you said, verbalizing internal or journaling, I just i feel like there's just so much that can come um and i do think that it really starts with the want to to know the want to sense the the being receptive to hearing and then listening and then acting there's like a a few steps in that that's that you know when we really can go in and connect with that guidance how beautiful things can unfold from there. I, I think you answered my secondary question, but I'm still going to just ask just to make sure there's nothing else on the end of it. I, okay. you, you mentioned your journey from the beginning of, you said you weren't necessarily as connected then, and then you looked at all these different things. What is your kind of go-to now? Because you are in relation, you have a strong relationship now with that higher power. So what is like, Stephen wakes up in the morning. What's that in your day that allows you to connect now that you've gone through so many different practices? Mm. A lot of different things. Um, when I wake up in the morning, one of the things that I do is I read some sort of prayer mm. that's related to recovery. Yes. And I have an app on my phone that has a morning prayer. And I've been reading this morning prayer uh, for 20 years amazing pretty mm -hmm. much and there's also an evening prayer that i that i read too uh and then i also read other inspirational messages that i get sent to me <clears throat> the little books that i have that are recovery related mm. and recovery to me is spirituality the second expression of spirituality so i get to tap into that i tap into my breath too every morning mm -hmm. um and <laughs> we have two cats and and i swear interacting with my two cats obi and bb connects me to spirit 
Mm. <laughs> because there's so much love yeah. in the room when I'm with them. Mm. And it's all genuine. There's nothing in the way. And um, and it's so about the moment. So present. Yes. So those are ways that I connect to it. Also, my movement practices. I always practice some sort of movement mm. um, in my day. And another way that I connect to my higher power mm. is through um, recovery meetings. I still mm -hmm. go to recovery meetings. I don't necessarily go every day, but yeah. I do go every week. I do go to a few meetings and, and that's a way for me to connect to my higher power because I feel as though my higher power works through people mm -hmm. and messages. So I pay attention to all that. Nature yeah. is another way for me to tap into it. Just looking out and seeing a bird flying through the sky yeah. has that power. And then when I get quiet at the end of the night and I, and I sit in my bed, I turn the lights down low because my husband's generally sleeping right next to me. So I get quiet mm -hmm. and I, uh, and I meditate and I just try to just be present in the moment with myself, mm. with my energy. And, uh, and those are the things that feed me every day. Yes. So I have one more question around the book and this particularly, you mentioned it before, but I actually feel like it's important to bring it back because there are a lot of people who might need help here or definitely need yeah. help here. But those listening um, about shame, shame being the linchpin in the this addiction journey. So how do we loosen shame's grip? on our lives? How do we, because you mentioned that being an obstacle for us to come back to that reconnecting with ourselves. Talk to me about the shame and how we can let go of that. Well, I think when it comes to shame, I think it's important to begin to listen to yourself, mm. tap into yourself, check in with yourself and notice how, what you're feeling when, when something triggers shame within you. Yes. And to know what, what happens to you. Mm -hmm. Is it that you feel like a twisting in your gut? Is it your heart starts to race? Do you start to sweat? Do you feel clammy? Does your throat mm -hmm. get dry? Um, all the different things that can happen to us, because I do believe that there is a connection between the emotions and the body. There's a physiological yes. thing or between the mind, because usually it's a, a thought <clears throat> feeds, fuels the emotions. And then also there's the physical response. Mm. So getting sensitive to that, uh, anyone who is feels that they're steeped in shame, it's important to work with someone to help you help guide you through that journey. Uh, working with a therapist has always been very helpful for me mm -hmm. uh, in terms of learning to identify shame and learning to unpack it mm -hmm. and, de and develop tools and strategies around it. Um, in my recovery, having the relationship that I've had with my sponsor has been a wonderful way for me to work through shame because I've been able to be so honest with, with them about yeah. what I'm feeling. And, and I've said this before in the book, and I also have said it before in other, um, videos that I've made. Brene Brown says that shame needs three things to survive, silence, secrecy, and judgment. 
Yes. When we keep shame a secret, when we don't talk about it, it just sits in the dark and it begins to fester and grow. Mm-hmm. So it's important to share it, but you, you're you not going to share it with just anybody. Yeah. Right. People have to earn the right or the, 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 the privilege of hearing that deep part of yourself. Yes. Um, so we have to be very discerning about that. And then being in the presence of someone who can listen and hold space for you mm. in that very tender time and not judge you, when that happens often enough, you can develop a level of compassion for yourself and non-judgment of yourself yeah. uh, over time. And that's an important aspect of healing shame. Mm. And it's important to know that everybody, everybody experiences it. Um, Of course. There's no one on the, uh, there's no one on the planet that doesn't have some level of shame or hasn't had it at some point. Um, So it's good to know that we're all in very good company. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And just being discerning, as you say, with who you feel called to share with, you know, I think that um, that's a really important factor. You don't always get it right. But when we do, that support is invaluable. You know, if you're if you're sharing with someone who's also going through an equal amount of shame, that that kind of paddle ball reflection may not be helpful. But, you know, (laughs) definitely being discerning, as you said, you, you spoke to your sponsor or people who you know, we're already on the road um, to recovery. And I often like to think of when I work with anyone, as long as they're one step ahead of me, there's mm-hmm. something that I can learn. It doesn't always have to be, okay, this person has done an amazing job 20 years on, and so they know what they're talking about. If you're one step ahead of me, you can help me get from where I am to where you are. And so, absolutely, yeah, yeah, so important. It is, and we're all on, we're all works in progress. We're yes. all unfolding. And just because the person that you look towards for support um, might be a step ahead of you, or even if they're 20 steps ahead of you, exactly. they're, still go- they're still going through their stuff. Yes. Exactly. Still navigating life. Yes. You know, exactly. I mean, I look at me in this book, I think that it's it's easy to be in the kind of position that I'm in, where people can project um, a certain um thing onto me mm. and it's just important to know that i'm just a person yes, yes. <laughs> just like everybody else and i'm just trying to f- figure this life thing out as well yes, and exactly. maybe i'm a step or two in a different place than where you are yes but yeah exactly. yeah, yeah 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 so beautiful so I'd love to know about movement. Do you still dance? I know you're obviously doing your Qigong and your and your Pilates. Tell me about the dance. Are you still moving in that way? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not a professional dancer anymore. I, I hung up my dancing shoes back, I think, in what? I think it was 2009, I think I did. Okay. I think I yeah. turned it, hung up my shoes. Um, but I've danced over the years in my husband's music videos. I did um, see that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Amazing. But I re- yeah. I've recently, re- maybe like a year ago, I retired from those two. Um, <laughs> I've danced in my uh, membership community, SWE studio. I teach dance classes there. I've, I've, amazing. Yeah. And so that's been a great way for me to um, express that part of myself. I'll always dance. Uh, yes. 
I love music. I love, I love dance. I'll always be connected to that part. Cause that was really the first, the first energy medicine, energy work I ever did was dancing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so it stayed with me. And, and I think I, it will stay with me for the, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I always encourage people to find a way to dance, to find a way to smile and laugh. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. that has the, those things have the ability to, to really shift energy for to, sure. to move blocked energy and to get things to flow. Yes. Um, and to give us more energy as well. For sure, for sure. I mean, one yeah. of my best friends and I, we have a, a kind of a, a lovely practice around that. She's mm-hmm. always traveling and every now and then we'd message each other randomly in a day and say five minute dance and we'd jump on Zoom and put a track on and just dance for five minutes and go love ya and back into it. And we do that all the time. It's just amazing. I just think one, changing the state, you know, but also that joy that we cultivate and the sisterhood, there's just so many elements to it. Um, but I love it. I'm, a, I'm from the Caribbean. We like to move our waist and hips, right? Yes, <laughs> and so yes. trust me, I completely dig the movement and the dancing. And I, and I love that that is um, that you've mentioned that as medicine, because for me, that is medicine sound and, and singing and using my voice as medicine. We have so much medicine available to us. We do. And I think one of the things that's that's important to point out and what, what we're describing and talking about is mm. these these activities where there's community. There's yes. community. Like you're talking about getting on a Zoom and doing that with your friend. Yes. I'm talking about doing it like for me at a static ecstatic dance class or or creating a class for my community, even though they're not in the room with me, the folks who are part of my SWE studio community, they're with me. And so we're exchanging energy and that's really important. It's really Mm -hmm. important in, um, in creating better mental health for each and every one of us to feel connected because no one gets through this life alone. No, no, Mm -hmm. we don't. Mm -hmm. What sound do you love, Stephen? What sound? Ooh, what sound do I love? I love um, our cats purring. I love that sound that they make when they purr. I love that. I love I love some of the healing sounds that I do in Qigong. They're mm-hmm. healing sounds that help us to um, <clears throat> clear energy in the organs. Mm. Yeah, and also to help, uh, yeah, basically to clear energy, to move energy in the organs and in the meridians. They're beautiful sounds and so simple. Would you like to hear some of them? I would. I was just going to say, am I going to get yeah. a taste? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's for the metal element, which is connected to the, the lungs and the large intestine, mm-hmm. that sound is... Like S's mm-hmm. strung together, like air going out of a tire, right? Mm-hmm. And we can even apply that to, to movement. So let's see. You'll take your arms... And you yep. bring them down to your lap and they're rounded and your palms are facing up. Yes. You're going to lift your arms up and then your palms are going to press up towards the sky. And then you're going to float your arms down. And then your palms are going to face your chest and slowly float the arms down to your lap. Mm-hmm. Let's take a deep breath in through your nose as you lift your arms. And then release the breath out with that sound as you lower them. 
And again. Let's do it one more time. Just relax with your hands on your lap. Just keep your eyes closed for a second and just notice what you feel. You might even feel a vibration in your body. Beautiful. Healing sounds of definitely there's warmth around my chest. It feels mm. like I feel this temperature shift, warm, almost like a bomb of like if you put uh, Vicks or some kind of menthol, it feels really like open and and yeah, vibrant is a great, great feeling there. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's so good. I know. So yeah, so the emotion associated with the lungs is sadness, depression. Yes. So yes. you can think about releasing that with mm. every exhale and then filling yourself up with whatever it is that you need on the inhale. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I have to say, I just love all of this. I want to do more. And I am going to jump into your community and check it out because I know you've got your your monthly, your membership as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to jump into that. Yeah. And I invite others to jump into it too. The SWE yes. Studio is, is a affordable, accessible wellness community mm. that I've created. There's over 300 plus videos that are in varying lengths. Some of them are full classes, like an, an hour. And then some of them are 20 to 30 minutes, depending upon how much time you have, because we all are busy people, of right? Course, and I combine Pilates and Qigong in one class in a really fun, creative way. There's also meditation, dance, mm -hmm. laughter, and so much more, only for $22 a month. I mean, Amazing. think about it, $22, that's four Starbucks drinks. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And healthier for you. <laughs> Where can people find you online, Stephen? Yeah, StephenWashingtonExperience.com is my website. There you'll be able to uh, access links to buy my book, Recovering You. Brilliant. Also links to um, to check out my membership community, SWE Studio. And then also access to my um, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, yes. Medium, where you can find all of the, the the stuff that I've created and put out there into the world. And a lot of it, it is free. Oh, wonderful. And of course, I will put all of those links below this episode as well. So it's all easily accessible. Thank you so much for being with me today and being so yummy and open and just lovely, lovely, lovely energy. I so appreciate you and all the work that you're doing to help people overcome well, rather, let's say to help people in recovery and helping everyone navigate towards health and happiness. Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Simone. And I also want to say that this work is for people in recovery, no matter where you are on your recovery yes. journey. But it's also great for people who love people who are in recovery yes. because we all need support. We yes. all need support. We all need self-care practices. It's been For such sure. a joy to be with you. You are just absolutely amazing. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> I like to end all of my conversations with the same question, and that is, what is your soulful sound to the world? And that is a self-prayer or desire that you wish upon the world. Mm, a simple sigh. <sighs> love it thank you so much i'll see you soon yes bye thanks so much for tuning in i hope you've enjoyed this episode please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe from my heart to yours sending you love healing and sound wherever you are <laughs>